when he was back in Denmark, he actually sent a girl a bouquet of flowers, which seems a pretty normal thing to do if you're trying to be romantic. And she actually returned him to him and said, what do you think you're doing? Don't send me flowers. You don't think you think I want this kind of... What did she say exactly? Oh, awesome. Do you think, she replied, do you think that these old tricks work on me? Buonasera, privet is Kishinovia, Moldova. So I am here in Moldova. This is another episode of the Vodka Podcast with me, Connor Klein. Welcome to the Zara Experience. And I've been here for almost a week in Moldova. Gonna have some super interesting content coming from the country. I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about that at the end of today's podcast. But you have, of course, clicked on today's uh, video because you wanna know why there aren't feminists in countries like Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Eastern Europe, the former Soviet Union in general. Why is that? And why is there such a strong polarity with um, radical feminism as we see it? Uh, gaining momentum in North America and Western Europe. Just before I start and dive into it, I actually referred a little bit to today's topic at the beginning of last week's uh, vodcast, which is why, which was about why there are no fat girls in Eastern Europe. Of course, I'm going to link that up in the card down below in the description. You can go check that out if you haven't watched it yet. I got a big reaction to that. Very interesting to see that actually most of it was very positive besides the odd SJW, Social Justice Warrior, uh, pro-obesity comment. Um, but I found that really interesting. Actually, another point that I hadn't considered for last week is that actually the commercial interest in certain food companies, of course, promoting this unhealthy obesity lifestyle, um, pushing that you should believe you're beautiful if you're obese and overweight. Um, you know, objectively and aesthetics that go into the video, that's just not true for women if they're trying to attract the best guys. So thanks for your feedback on that video. Let's dive into today's one. So I mentioned there, fat feminism, definitely not a big thing here in Eastern Europe. But, you know, what is the history of feminism? I'm going to start with that because I think it's really interesting. I also referred to this in last week's podcast. It's like um, first and second wave feminism was about economic and, you know, voting rights, uh, access to workplace, getting equal pay for equal work. And actually, during communism, those rights came automatically for women here in the Soviet Union. So they didn't have to actually go out and campaign for them, unlike in Western Europe and North America, we could suffragette movement, for example, that advocated for women getting the right to vote. Uh, they always got the right to vote here in the Soviet Union. Women also had you know, access to uh, higher education, daycare, all these things that women have had to campaign for in Western Europe, they actually had them here already. It's actually something that's also interesting about the annexation or reunification of Germany, uh, Eastern Germany, when it unified with uh, the West, is that they had to take on the West German system. And actually, in certain things like daycare, it was actually more developed in the Soviet Union. So that was something that, uh, you know, was quite shocking for a lot of uh, people in East Germany when it switched. Obviously, overall, it was a lot better for them to join the West. But that, there were some gains like that that they had taken uh, for granted in the Soviet Union that actually women had to campaign for. So as a result, in the uh, 90s, when obviously the Soviet Union collapsed, imploded here, uh, Moldova was also a part of the Soviet Union, um, women actually got the right not to work paradoxically, uh, as opposed to before where in the West, for example, they had to fight to get the same rights to actually take on careers. My own grandmother, for example, had that issue when she grew up, was um, qualifying as a doctor in Ireland. Uh, if you married 
in Ireland at the time. This is a long time ago. This is probably, I guess, the 20s or 30s. You had, you could, you had to give up your profession once you become married. A married woman couldn't continue as a doctor. That was that's gone for a long time. But you see, that meant that she actually had to emigrate. She actually emigrated uh, to the United Kingdom in order to be able to work. So those things you didn't have to do here in the Soviet Union. So the history is quite different. You don't have this militarism or campaigning uh, on women's issues as strongly because they got those rights uh, as part of the Soviet system. And as I said, they have had access to higher education. Actually, in maths and sciences, there are a lot more girls than you're going to see in uh, Western Europe who traditionally uh, educate themselves in those fields here. Uh, and it's actually because of the the salaries, the relatively high salaries for, say, computer programmers, it's actually pretty common to meet really hot 20-something-year-old programmers in Eastern Europe, something you definitely don't see very often in the West because it's actually something that they're interested in doing. But obviously, you have an economic sense there as well. So first thing is the history is quite different. That's why it's not as appealing. They got those uh, basic rights that you had in first and second wave feminism without having to actually uh, campaign and struggle uh, to gain them and organize uh, and I think it's one of the key points is like they didn't have to organize because once you have people grouped into uh, you know push for a particular interest uh, as a group then even when they meet those initial gains what they're originally campaigning for they continue on and they campaign for more and more and actually uh, you can see a phenomenon where more and more extreme people get involved because the basic rights have already been achieved and I think you can definitely see that also in feminism in the West. So that never took off here. So the history is very different. That's the first point uh, to give you a background to the history of why it's not as ingrained in the culture here. So the second point I want to bring up is the more traditional uh, gender roles that exist in countries like Russia or Ukraine or Belarus or Moldova here than you're going to find in Germany or France or United Kingdom or US. Uh, it's definitely more like as I say probably your tired of hearing like my father's day in the United Kingdom uh, when he was dating it's that more that the man is the protector the provider and this is something actually my clients are most interested in understanding why is it uh, this way now I alluded it to it a little bit uh, that in the 90s women actually get the right not to work and actually be housewives and use their femininity in order to uh, attract men who will then provide for them economically as opposed to having to necessarily go out and work and educate it and you know um, rub elbows in a competitive environment with men to compete with them in the West to get those jobs. So along with these uh, less or more entrenched gender roles, you have less of an appeal with what has happened in the West with uh, feminism. So third and fourth generation, third and fourth wave of feminism, where it's focused more on issues like, let's take third wave uh, feminism. So it's more about intersexuality, the connection between race, um, gender, and say uh, sexual orientation that started to come together as kind of a campaign lobby along with the fact that you know stereotypical gender roles don't necessarily have to be that way that women can do everything and should actually be doing everything I think that's an also key difference having the right um, to go and work whatever you want doesn't mean that every woman actually wants to go and have to do everything herself and I think allowing men to take on those more traditional roles in terms of a provider is a lot more entrenched here and it's not just because women themselves think oh I just want a man to look after me it's also because they teach their sons I actually to provide that role that they have to go out and provide for women this is also two sides of the same coin so the flip side to the coin is that the fact that they educate their, their men to be uh, a lot more dominant a lot more assertive and uh, to provide for the woman uh, and to take that, uh, that she's fragile, that she needs protection. That's definitely a lot more ingrained and it comes from uh, just the general 
education in the society that that's the way it should be. So you definitely see men here uh, being a lot more uh, stereotypically what we call alpha male than you're going to see in, say, North America and Western Europe overall. Uh, and that's something that I have to coach all my clients and you cannot come here and, you know, be what we would consider maybe being considerate. Uh, it just doesn't work very well. It looks like you're not able to make decisions, that you're not able to take the lead, that you're not able to dominate the situation. And that is what is uh, seen as attractive here by and large. Uh, and that's something that I have to actually coach a lot of my clients with is because they're just being too uh, unassertive and not taking the lead enough and actually asking the girl way too much questions, right? Is this going to do her head? She just wants to have to lead a guy. So that kind of leadership role is definitely seen as more male characteristic. They talk a lot about masculine and feminine energy here more and a woman being a woman and a man being a man. Uh, and that kind of clashes obviously with third uh, wave feminism that sees that you shouldn't really have those uh, distinctions. So that's another thing that just doesn't appeal and work in the society here. And that's why you don't have, uh, you know, the feminism is not as attractive as a result. So moreover, with what we see as more radical feminism that's become pushed by the mainstream media a lot in the last few years. So issues in the fourth wave, like say toxic masculinity, um, equity which is a quality of outcome not a quality of opportunity that they should actually just get the same amount uh same number of board posts have quotas that salary should be equalized within companies between men and women not because they do the same job or work the same amount of time or produce the same amount of value but simply because there has to be this kind of like communism in terms of everybody has to get the same uh, and it's not you know reducing this idea of a meritoc meritocracy uh, saying that men being competitive, which is, you know, is toxic masculinity uh, when in order for society, we're all pushed because we're self-interested. So trying to reduce those competi com competitive uh, impulses is not very good for helping to develop the society overall. And I'm a former competition lawyer, which is antitrust in American legal parlance. So definitely I'm in favor of competition, uh, whether it happens to be men or women competing together or separately, but definitely not this... Um, uh, more kind of, uh, I guess, extreme socialist ideal that everybody has to get the same. That's actually what they had here. Didn't work out so well for people, uh, even if older people, like you see in Mr. Ball's videos, uh, kind of remember fondly uh, the former Soviet Union because everything was safe and secure. At the end of the day, most people were much rather uh, how the societies have developed in terms of the economic opportunities, especially young people. They don't want to go back to that. So that's another reason why it's not appealing. Of course, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity here in the former Soviet Union as a campaign model. Uh, they want men to be actually dominant and masculine, more traditionally masculine and assertive. So definitely those kind of things don't uh, really um, resonate with women here. Uh, as to do with sexual harassment, um, that's something that's not maybe as emphasized. I'm sure it happens also here. Um, and maybe that's something that will uh, at some stage actually come out in the wash that, you know, some, some people who are, I mean, there's always people always abuse power and especially in countries that are hit by corruption like here in Eastern Europe. I'm absolutely certain sex is one of those and sexual harassment is definitely uh, a thing, but it hasn't become such a big campaign issue where, you know, a guy being what we consider chivalrous is suddenly um, an issue or making a pass at a woman awkwardly was going to be a major national TV sensation and he's going to be accused of all these horrible things. That definitely also doesn't really, they want men to take the lead, they want them to take risks, they want them uh, to try and woo the woman. They may say no, but they still expect the guy to try, not physically, obviously not to assault someone at all, but to definitely try to be this more stereotypical romantic guy who's going to pursue 
uh, the woman. So that also doesn't resonate at all here. And interestingly, Femin, uh, the movement that obviously campaigns uh, topless <laughs> in other campaigns for women's rights within this fourth wave of uh, feminism. They actually started in Ukraine, interestingly, uh, but then they had to relocate to Paris and basically they just weren't able to inspire women here to get involved in Eastern Europe because it's just not really big issues that they care about so much. It's not as pressing uh, and they weren't able to get that momentum actually based uh, in Eastern Europe, so they actually have to move to the to the West, ironically. So definitely not something that's resonating with women here. Just said at the start, I actually have a other vodcast episode that I'm going to link above and put down below in the description about the differences between women, uh, feminism and dating uh, in Eastern and Western Europe. To give you an example about how you should behave more, this one I'm going to give you more of a background as to why, uh, and obviously advising you like I have to advise my clients and giving the tips I've learned in the last nine months coaching guys uh, here in Eastern Europe who come to live this our experience with me. So that always, I assume, sounds really appealing that you don't have this attraction to radical feminism here in Eastern Europe. Now, I want to explain one important thing, and it's something that is propagated by a lot of uh, disingenuous marriage agencies and dating services here in Eastern Europe, especially in Ukraine. Uh, don't think that just because radical feminism is not ingrained in the culture here, that the women are like 1950s, I think it's the Stepford's, Stepford Wives is the term from whatever the TV program, that they're just waiting to do cook, bake cookies and uh, wait on their man nonstop. Um, there is a section of, I think, Ukrainian Russian society that is like that, but they tend not to be interested in dating foreigners or marrying foreigners. They want the local guy and they want that more, say, submissive, uh, traditional um, woman's role in society. They would not actually really be, in, in my experience, advising clients and being here with my friends. Uh, they're not interested in foreigners and they're probably not from a big city like Odessa, Kiev, uh, Moscow, anyways. They're probably in a, from a more provincial part where you'll almost certainly never go to or really want to go to. So you're not going to find those very, very traditional girls in general, especially if they're under 25 or under 30 even. Just my experience has been that that is something that's propagated. You get this 1950s housewife and that these uh, disingenuous marriage agents, matchmaking services, they, 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 they want you to believe that because they think that it's obviously a very strong polarization with radical feminism in the West. And that's something that's very appealing, of course. So definitely be uh, careful. Don't fall into that trap. Don't buy that into that BS fake news that they propagate. Yes, for sure, gender roles are a lot more traditional. A man has to be a real man here. And feminism is not very attractive, especially uh, fourth wave feminism it hasn't caught on here at all maybe that might change sometime in the future but for the moment no and they didn't have to actually campaign to get those uh, basic rights that women in Western Europe and North America um, campaigned for in first and second wave feminism also um, not only is gender roles being seen as more traditional here also um, se sexual orientation uh, it's not encouraged as much um, homosexuality it's from a lot more frowned upon here than it's going to be in Western Europe or definitely North America at the moment. Um, at the same time, I, I can't really speak so much about Russia because I've been there as much recently, but in Ukraine and Belarus, I don't think it's particularly um, oppressive of gays. Uh, a lot less than maybe you would think. Definitely there are gay bars and gay establishments and uh, gays can go out and they're not attacked on the street or something like that or locked up. Uh, that may happen occasionally uh, in places where it's illegal, but it is tolerated more or less. So don't get the impression that that is something that happens here regularly. So that is an overview for you of why 
here. Um, radical feminism has not taken off in Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, basically the former Soviet Union, um, and of course here in Moldova, in I mean the capital Chisinau. So drop me a comment below what you think. If you have any uh, other opinions, you gave me some great feedback last week in the podcast about. Uh, why don't know fuck tricks in Eastern Europe so looking forward to see what you think of this one about feminism isn't it strong or maybe you've come here and actually think it's changing uh, because maybe it is changing in say Kiev it's definitely become a lot more European and a lot more modern looking more to the west so maybe there's something that is going to take off uh, I did actually meet some girls who were in uh, when we were in Minsk actually and they described themselves as feminists uh, but they really weren't for feminists at all they were kind of like um, just didn't want discrimination against women in the workplaces and whatnot. But that should be a legal guarantee anyways. So that's definitely something I support fully. But I was trying to explain to them that that isn't what modern feminism is about in the West. It's like about basically hating men all the time and putting them down and try to uh, emasculate them. And that's something that they were completely against. So there you see even girls that try to actually identify as feminists don't really understand how the term has become in the West. So... Um, how are you doing, Philip? Oh, I should have told the, the, the little story about you and the flowers in Denmark. Yeah? Yeah? That's all right. So, one funny anecdote that Philip told me is actually that when he was in, uh, when he was back in Denmark, he actually sent a girl a bouquet of flowers, which seems a pretty normal thing to do if you're trying to be romantic. And she actually returned them to him and said, what do you think you're doing? Don't send me flowers. You don't think, you think I want this kind of, what did you say exactly? Oh, awesome. Do you think, do you think, she replied, do you think that these old tricks work on me? Such uh, disdain did she have for kind of more traditional attempt by a guy to woo her romantically. Don't worry, that has never happened in the history of Eastern Europe. For one, 100%, there is no way that a girl is going to return flowers if you try to woo her flowers. She will be delighted to get them. She'll probably put an Instagram and make 20 guys jealous. So maybe you want to consider not doing it for that reason because then they'll all send flowers to her and boost up and give her so, so much validation and boost her ego. So just thought it was a funny anecdote about the, uh, you know, how feminism has um, affected gender roles and you know, seduction between Western and Eastern Europe. We definitely have to take the opposite approach here and definitely be assertive. So we are at the end of another Vodcast episode and it could be you. Next weekend, what are you doing next weekend, as I like to say? It could be you coming to Eastern Europe. We're going to go actually to Minsk in Belarus. We're going to be meeting some clients there. It's going to be fantastic. So looking forward to getting back to Magical Minsk. I made a video there last winter. Um, I'll go link that up in the card down below in the description. Definitely check that out. Now, if you believe that you're the right kind of man, a real man, who can come and live this our experience here with me in Eastern Europe, then you need to go and do one thing and take action that is click the link below in the description to the application form uh, fill out the questions there then i'm going to review them if i think it's a good fit for us to work together we are going to jump on a very short strategy call and figure out if we can make it work and it could be you next weekend minsk it can also be in another city sometime in the very near future in say russia ukraine or belarus so go do that now that I only want guys who are going to, you know, willing to invest in themselves in terms of development and invest money in coming here. So both the time and the money into improving themselves and actually being worthy of coming to Eastern Europe and you know, having an unforgettable travel party experience with me and, of course, dating beautiful women. I want guys who want to actually aspire to 
reach that level. Not guys who think they come here and I have 10 models waiting for them. We've all seen the profile and it's like set up with dates for introductions and they don't have to do any work. They can just be, you know, themselves like they are and whatever it happens to be in the Midwest, in the US, uh, where they're not successful with any women. They don't have the charisma. They're not, you know, they don't have presence. They're not willing to work on themselves and are looking for, you know, a quick solution by just coming here and getting a male order bride or something. Uh, forget it. If you're one of those guys, which assume you're not, then just don't even write me. I'm not interested in helping guys like that. Um, so if you believe that you have the determination and the motivation to come here and really be a real man in Eastern Europe, where you don't have to worry about radical feminism, then definitely go click out, click on the link below and fill out the application form and we will be chatting very, very soon. So that is the end of today's Vodka Valkas, going to be in Minsk. You're going to see very soon on this channel uh, a little video from here in Chisinau. It's actually going to be about whether Chisinau, Moldova is really as bad as Mr. Bald makes out in his videos. Uh, I'm going to link those below if you haven't seen them already. But basically, there's been a viral video uh, about Chisinau where it shows in a very bad light that actually was able to get a lot of stuff done because the government even reacted to it out of embarrassment for how badly he showed that the infrastructure in the city center is. But that begs the question, is it really look like it's sub-Saharan Africa here in Chisinau? And should you still come? I'm going to have that video coming um, in about a week or so after you see this podcast. So look forward to that. I will see you then in the very next video. La revedere. This is Vidania from Chisinau, Moldova. Sar Experience.